Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 54 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 105 of Receptopia continues. Happy Wednesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was NXT 2.0 going down live from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. And I gotta say, I am in a much better mood than I was last week via the conclusion of of last week's show when Walter changed his name to Gunther, never call him Stark. And WWE dropped that trademark last Wednesday officially as Walter will now go by Gunther, all caps, from now on. And I did get a kick out of Malcolm Bivens saying, who named you Gunther? Why would your parents name you that in a nice tongue-in-cheek moment? And I was very heated last week, as you know. I was not feeling the name change at all. And knowing the origins of that name made it even worse. And they changed course quickly. And now I got to get used to calling this man Gunther very soon. But up until the end of this month, he'll be Walter to me. Then now and at least through the beginning of February but it's going to be a tough name to get used to but in all things in WWE we got to accept the change for better or worse and here's hoping that what made Walter Walter doesn't change via Gunther taking control of Imperium from here on out even though it's still Walter at heart. As for last night's show, I thought this was a much better effort versus last week in terms of in-ring action. The first hour was really strong. The second hour fell off a bit for me with some good stuff, bad stuff, and some what-the-fuck stuff mixed in for good measure. Then we get to the main event, which really saved things on the whole, but this felt like one of those classic full cell NXT tapings from maybe three or four years ago. You sit down, you're hyped, you want to have a good time, and all of a sudden, hours two three and four hit regarding NXT for those four weeks and it's a long taping it's a long show and the heat kind of dies down and the match quality dips and I felt that way especially during the second hour of NXT but the show recovered nicely in the end which is always a good thing as we kick things off with the quarterfinals of the Dusty Cup featuring MSK Wesley and Nash Carter versus Jacket times Kushida and Ikaminjuro. This was a really fun tag team match. Both teams worked incredibly hard. It's a unique face versus face matchup. The crowd loves Jacket time and MSK just as much. MSK is rocking the black and pink, repping the old school heart foundation with the new age twist. Kushida and Ikaminjuro never missing the ring. And last night was no exception as Jiro laid out Wesley with a nasty lariat early on, followed by Kushida assisting Jiro with a double bulldog on Lee for good measure. Eventually, Lee and Carter regain control by taking out Jiro with a stunner into a dropkick spot between the ropes as we go to commercial break. We come back and Nash Carter's working over Ikemen Jiro in the ring with a series of strikes and a nice deadlift German suplex, followed by a kick to the face and a standing shooting star press for a very close near fall that the fans pop for eventually... Carter makes a hot tag to Lee. Lee goes for a sunset flip, which is caught into a strong zero. Shout out to Trent Beretta from AEW, courtesy of Jiro for a near fall. From there, we have Kushida and Jiro double teaming Wesley in the corner. And Jiro goes up top for a swanton bomb that he misses as Lee rolls out of the way. He makes a tag to Carter once again. And Carter is going to get launched into a moonsault courtesy of Lee to Kushida, but Kushida gets the knees up and goes with the hoverboard lock, cranks in that left arm. Carter is in a lot of pain, but he is able to back himself in the corner as Lee is a legal man and he is able to hit that assisted blockbuster to Kushida for the win as MSK advances to the semifinals of the 2022 Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. And the fans say this was awesome, both these guys, both these teams. 
and both teams hug in the ring as babyfaces should a nice match from two talented tag teams in WWE via NXT 2.0 and MSK moves on to face Idris Anofe and Malik Blade in the semifinals of the Dusty Cup going down sometime very soon as the finals will take place at NXT Vengeance Day going down on Tuesday February 15th this is not a takeover adjacent event even though I like these theme shows every four to six weeks to give NXT a little oomph and a pop heading into WrestleMania season which will feature a takeover show adjacently outside of Florida for the first time in well over two years amen to that the only issue is that they are considering moving the show to WrestleMania weekend as in the same day as night one of WrestleMania the dates have not been locked in just yet hopefully that does not happen because I was only looking forward to watching one show on Saturday, which was WrestleMania night one. I have no desire to see a takeover adjacent show the day of WrestleMania. I like my schedule very simple. Tuesday, go home show for NXT. Do the show Wednesday, Hall of Fame Thursday, SmackDown Friday, WrestleMania Saturday, and then Sunday, boom, I'm done. It's a very nice, tight schedule to maintain all the hopping around. I'm not here for it, but the schedule is not final. And he's hoping WWE realizes Don't overbook your most important show of the year and burn out your fans in the process who are buying tickets, who must logistically get from place to place in a timely fashion. Then for those at home, they're going to watch the shows all day. Now you got to plan not only dinner, but now brunch or breakfast on the West Coast. Get that meal sorted, then get your dinner ready. That is a double dose of food. I was not expecting back to back, but hey. We'll figure it out along the way as WWE says to dates in due time for WrestleMania week. Next up is Legado de Fantasmas where Old Mendoza, Joaquin Wilde, Alexa Lopez, and the leader of Legado, Santos Escobar, coming out in a clean white and black suit to talk shit about Braun Breaker, current NXT champion, saying that Braun Breaker is a flash in the pan who's enjoying his 15 minutes of fame and that it should not be him as an NXT champion. It should be me. He beat me to the punch of being the champion, the champion, the face of this brand, all because of family, La Familia, thinking his family is better than mine because his family has their own way of doing mathematics. And they give him a nod and they give him a wink and they show him love for a job well done. I don't need affirmations because I know my family, my lineage is better than Braun Breakers because I'm not intimidated by his family. I'm not scared of his family. He should be scared of me and what I can do to him. Which leads to the reigning defending NXT champion Braun Breaker coming out to note that, hey, you can do something right now if you like. I don't hide behind people like you do. Santos. I don't hide behind Joaquin Wilde, Royal Mendoza, Electra Lopez. I have no one fight my battles for me, but me. And as Santos tries to chirp back, Braun Breaker tells that man to shut up in Spanish and Santos shuts up and the fans kind of go ooh and all like this man is also a bilingual king. Go ahead, champ. Talk your shit. And that leads to Santos saying, I do things on my time. Young champion, don't you worry about it. I shoot my shot when need be. Santos and company goes to walk away, but Braun Breaker smells an ambush as Royal Mendoza and Joaquin Wild go after him. He clotheslines Royal Mendoza out of the ring. It's a tough go, but Royal takes a bump over the ropes and on the floor as the segment comes to an end. And spoiler alert, as the show wraps up tonight, Electra Lopez notes that Braun Breaker said a few weeks ago, he's always the last to leave the building. And Santos wanted to test that theory. So let's flash forward to the end of the show. So Braun Breaker has his backs heading to the parking lot, the most dangerous place in NXT, by the way. A car pulls up, Legato tries to attack Braun Breaker, 
but he's got a partner for next week in the form of former NXT champion, the man he beat for the championship he holds now, Tomasa Ciampa, and he looks down at Legato, they look down at him, and the match is on two and three style, and that is math that Braun Breaker can definitely get behind as the end of the show wraps with Ciampa and Breaker making peace with the fist bump, and you gotta love it. So I love the aspect of Breaker and Ciampa teaming up against Legato the Fantasma next Tuesday, and this should lead to presumably an NXT title match between Breaker and Escobar going down on Tuesday, February 15th for Vengeance Day. But I don't think this special is going down on USA because of the Winter Olympics coverage for those two weeks. And that means that this show will most likely air on sci-fi and that's going to drop the numbers dramatically. I don't care how much you build up a show, whether it's Monday Night Raw, which will also be on sci-fi starting on February 7th and 14th. So I really don't know why they would make this announcement for a show that's not going to have the most eyeballs on it via sci-fi. Wait until the 22nd and move it back to USA in your prime spot and draw a good number there. But we'll see how the marketing, the promotion, and the push goes heading into Vengeance Day in a few weeks' time on apparently sci-fi and not USA. Next up is Solo Sequoia versus Boa in a Falls County Anywhere match. And this was good for what it was. Boa got the jump on Solo quickly via a kendo stick shot to the back. And from there, the match was on as Solo was getting beat down with that kendo stick courtesy of Boa, who really is coming into his own by embodying the spirit of Tian Shaw, which originally belonged to Mei Ying, now known as Wendy Chu on NXT 2.0. We had Solo pay tribute to Umaga with the face paint, and he has a scar on his face as well from the burn from that fireball a few weeks ago on NXT. But there is a story behind the scar, which I'll get to shortly, which is pretty funny when you think about it. So as Boa's introducing steel chairs and trash cans, Solo pops up and hits him with a Samoan drop for a near fall. From there, we have Boa drop Solo with a butterfly suplex on a trash can for another close near fall as well. So we have three steel chairs set up by both men in the corners of the ring, which will play into the finish eventually. So we have both men brawl backstage after Boa sets up a table at the ringside area. So we got ladders involved. We got people getting slammed into garage doors, taking bad bumps. Eventually, Solo Sequoia is escorted out of the door, courtesy of Boa. And Boa is going to pull up the garage door to whoop some ass some more. But Solo has a fire extinguisher and he fires it into Boa's face as the fight goes back to the ringside area with Solo Sequoia firmly in control. So he's able to get Boa back in the ring and he slams him face first against those chairs in the corner. Goes for the splash, but he gets tripped up courtesy of Boa and the fight goes to the outside and Boa lays in some strikes, but Solo Sequoia responds with a Samoan drop on the announce table. Bounce right off, no breakage, no shaking, no nothing. So we have Boa set up on this table on the outside. Solo goes up top. And he hits a frog splash with height and distance to Boa through that table on the floor for the win. A nice finish to a pretty good Falls Count Anywhere match. Now, here's the funny part I was mentioning earlier. The burn on Solo Sequoia's face was peeling magically because it's a prosthetic and it had to sit there for the duration of this match, but he worked so hard, it was peeling. And then the camera tried to obscure the vision of this face magically being healed. And hopefully this is the last time we see this fake-ass scar on Solo's face. I don't want to see Two-Face on NXT 2.0 as Solo's too good for it. And he improves every time he works in the ring. And Boa has never looked better. That's a rarity knowing how long he's been in the system. But he's really coming into his own as well via this new character 
which is a better fit for him than it was for Mei Ying all those months ago. Nice showcase for both men. And here's hoping we never see that fake scar on Solo's face again. One can only hope. Next up is Duke Hudson versus Guru Raj in a squash match as Duke Hudson lays in forearm shots, a big boot, and a razor's edge into a powerbomb for the win in under two minutes. Dominant performance by Hudson. Then we get Dante Chin calling out Hudson for his ambush attack last week, but Chin wants to be respectful and attack Duke to his face. So they brawl for a bit. The referees break things up, and then Duke Hudson goes for a cheap shot by going low and chop blocking the injured knee of Dante Chin for their feud on NXT. It is a match I'm looking forward to because I see glimmers of potential in Chin, but I need to see that in a fully realized match against an experienced Duke Hudson in the weeks to come. Next up is a six-woman tag team match featuring Jesse Jane, Gigi Dolan, and Mandy Rose, the NXT Women's and Tag Team Champions versus Persia Parada, Andy Hartwell, and Kaylee Ray. And this match was a bit too long for me. It was a very long match with Andy Hartwell being the babyface in peril for most of it. Kaylee Ray got her hands on Mandy Rose a couple of times via a flip dive on the outside to all three members of Toxic Attraction. But Andy Hartwell was getting her ass beat by the heels at various points during this match until she makes a hot tag to Persia Parada, who does clean house on Gigi Dolan with a number of clotheslines, a snake eyes, and a delayed German suplex. For a near fall that's broken up by Jesse Jane, who delivers a senton to the back of Persia Parada. Andy gets back involved by hitting a spine buster to Jesse Jane, but she's dropped with a bicycle knee courtesy of Mandy Rose a short time later. Kayla Ray takes out Mandy Rose. She grabs her baseball bat, gets to swinging, and Mandy runs for her life as a goal backstage. And that leaves Gigi Dolan and Jesse Jane right for the pickings for Persia Parada, who lays out Gigi with a pump kick followed by that face buster for the win. And that might put Persia and Indy back in line for a shot at the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships if they win the Women's Dusty Cup as well. And Kayla Ray wants a piece of Mandy Rose and the NXT Women's Championship, which should be a match for Vengeance Day on Tuesday, February 15th, only on Sci-Fi apparently. But as always, we shall see. Next up is the final quarterfinals in the first round of the Dusty Cup featuring Andre Chase and Bodie Hayward from Chase University versus Grizzly Young Veterans, Zach Gibson and James Drake. And this was fun for what it was Andre Chase trying to teach James Drake a teachable moment made me laugh, but he got dropped with an assisted shoulder breaker on the floor a short time later by the Grizzly Young Vets. Eventually, Bodie Hayward gets the hot tag and he goes kind of crazy on Zach Gibson. He has a power slam, tackles, and he runs in place, frog splash, runs in place, frog splash, runs in place, frog splash. I love it. The crowd section repping Chase University is great. They understand the assignment at all times. They are a pep rally that will give you the best cheers, the best chants, chanting C-H-A-S-E-U. I love the bullhorns. I love the energy the student section provides every time Andre Chase is out there. And Bodie Hayward's got something. He's green, but he's got personality. Reminds me a little of Rick Boogs during his early days or NXT. He's got something. And that's all you need on this show. Something to stand out in the best possible way. But the vets cut him off a short time later. Andre Chase gets the hot tag. And we get a unique finisher from Drake and Gibson with a double code breaker to chase for the win as they will now face the Creed Brothers in the semifinals of the Dusty Cup. But when the match is over, we've got Von Wagner coming out there attacking 
Chase U, Andre Chase, Bodie Hayward, I don't care still. And now we have Robert Stone repping Von Wagner as a member of the Robert Stone brand. And let Robert talk for him. That's all he's got left. He has no charisma as a wrestler right now, which is a shame because he's pushed on TV far too soon. And I saw snippets of Bodie Hayward and he's got it more so than Von Wagner at this point. But he's not as bad as who I'm about to mention next. Tiffany Stratton versus Io Shirai. And when they announced this match, I cannot believe it because Io Shirai is Mount Everest. She is a mountain you cannot climb. Even Zoe Stark in her early days of NXT last year could not climb the mountain known as Io Shirai at first. It was a rough go, but they pulled it together in the end. Tiffany Stratton is far less experienced than Zoe Stark. And she had a better outing. It was possible. But this character is god awful. This is not a good nod to Valley Girls everywhere. This is not a tribute to California girls all over the world. This is a hot ass mess of a character that is grating. It's just bad acting and her clapping in the ring, jumping up and down and her daddy gimmick on the phone. It is so goddamn annoying. This is not good heat. This is you slap on a character and you expect her to act and the acting is really, really bad. She is no Heathers. She's no Cher from Clueless, the TV and the movie version. And she is not on the same level. Stratosphere Galaxy Universe of Regina George for Mean Girls. This character in his current form is a hot ass mess. And I talked highly of Tiffany's background as a gymnast. She was an Olympian repping the U.S. gymnastics team. She was breathing these same rarefied air as Simone Biles as an alternate. And not to even play into that background is incredibly silly to me. Can Tiffany Stratton be herself? You can give her this name, but can you let her be who she is? And we see glimmers of that, but my God, the character work is awful and she's still green in the ring. Fortunately, the handspring into the elbow worked much better this time around on Io Shirai, but Io beat her ass with those knees in the corner, the missile drop kick, the moonsault that landed perfectly for the win. This was a passable match by NXT 2.0 standards. And Tiffany Stratton has a long way to go. She might improve rapidly in the ring, but this character for her is absolute death. On paper, on arrival, in reality. I don't like it. And let Tiffany Stratton be herself. Because I know this can't be it. It's impossible for this to be the character in his final form. Because it sucks right now. And she cannot carry it with her acting ability. It's very bad. The screaming during her match with Io Shirai was so off-putting. Her acting backstage with Wendy Chu was just terrible. This was below high school play bad. This was just dirt worst material that was recited and acted by Tiffany Stratton. And I hope they correct course with this character because this isn't it. This isn't good bad. This is bad bad in the worst possible way. And I've never downed a character like this, but I can make exceptions from time to time. And Tiffany Stratton, talent aside, definitely fits the bill. Next up is a musical performance by Ollie J, who sings one of the theme songs for NXT 2.0. And with all due respect, to Miss Ollie J. She has no presence as a performer with a live mic in her hand. Maybe it's nerves. I get it, but it wasn't very good. And hopefully someday she gains confidence 
in a live setting. And all I could think about was Hit Row's rap cipher nearly six months ago on NXT and how great they all were. And I look at where we are now and B-Fab had more charisma just walking in her tips than Ali J had during that entire performance. That's not shade, that's facts. And no offense to Ali J, the song is cute on this show, but the live performance was not hitting as it should. As we segue into the main event, featuring Cameron Grimes versus Tony D'Angelo with the winner facing Carmelo Hayes for the NXT North America Championship at NXT Vengeance Day going down on Tuesday, February 15th, presumably on Sci-Fi. This was a nice way to end the show. Tony D'Angelo continues to improve rapidly. He's still got a long way to go, but he has presence in the ring for days and he's just on it when need be. There was a couple of slip-ups here and there, during this match, especially when Grimes slipped off the ropes for a moonsault, he just kind of stood there. Time froze for a while, but they recovered and finished the match strong. But the suplexes, the overheads to Cameron Grimes were beautiful. And Grimes took great bumps for D'Angelo. That exploded suplex into the ropes was another great spot as well. And Grimes got back on offense with a step-up Rana to D'Angelo followed by a standing Spanish fly that D'Angelo took perfectly for another close near fall. I mentioned the slip on the ropes via Grimes' moonsault attempt, but he was able to recover, hit the moonsault, goes up top for a cross body for the nearest of near falls. He goes with the cave-in. D'Angelo rolls out of the ring as we have Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams watching on from the balcony. And Pete Dunne, with a cricket bat, smashes D'Angelo's hand. He gets back in the ring. The referee doesn't see it. And Grimes is a cave-in on D'Angelo to earn a shot at Carmelo Hayes' North America Championship in a few weeks' time at NXT Vengeance Day on Tuesday, February 15th on Sci-Fi, I presume. But we shall see about that. As the show went off the air with the aforementioned parking lot segment involving Braun Breaker, Legato the Fantasma, and former NXT champion Tomasa Ciampa. And this was a fine way to end the show. I was not agitated like I was last week when Walter grabbed that mic and called himself Gunther. And we got into that conversation extensively via the closing of last week's episode. But I feel better this week. I'm in a better space, even though the last 20 minutes prior to the main event Definitely tested my resolve because Tiffany Stratton worked my last nerve and I hate the character. I don't hate the person. I despise the character with every fiber of my being. And that's not supposed to be the intended goal. It's supposed to be she's a great heel, but this is just flat out bad. And I got to ask another question. Frankie Monet got cut because please fill in the blanks. Frankie Monet was bougie for days, had the talent and the dog that can emote more than Tiffany Stratton to boot. What was wrong with Frankie Monet who did it better than Tiffany Stratton? But I digress. But I'm still in a better headspace than I was last week when Walter said his name was Gunther. And I got to get used to that. And, you know, he cut a promo last night talking about the name change, a new era of Imperium. I'll grow to like Gunther. I will always love Walter the name and I'll always cherish the performer behind Gunther and Walter he's incredible if he doesn't change as a performer then we're good I will accept the name gradually slowly but surely but I'm still better off than I was last week and that is a plus in my book as NXT trudges along towards Vengeance Day going down in a few weeks time on sci-fi I believe And I like how we're trying to build things up for these major quarterly shows on TV, which leads to the Peacock specials around WrestleMania time. Here's hoping that they get the date right regarding this particular takeover adjacent show. 
which should not take place the same day as night one of WrestleMania. Move it to Thursday or Wednesday to make sure you're spacing out these events accordingly because fan burnout is a real thing. I've been through it for the last several years before they tighten up the time at WrestleMania, which makes this show a much easier watch in four hours versus six. But as always, we shall see once the schedule's out officially. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 54 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Later Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at Russoptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on this in my daily recapping Monday Night Raw. NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. For free to download past episodes and all of your favorite podcast directories dating back to season one as we get ready for season three going down around the Royal Rumble on Saturday morning via the SmackDown Wind Down slash AEW Rampage Late Night Rager. You know what to do, search Russoptopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 49 of the Dynamite Effect, recapping the Beach Break edition of AEW Dynamite on TBS. Until then, enjoy your hump day, stay safe out there, and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care. (laughs) 